Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because, well, sorry, Canada. Ha, ha, Toronto. And because Philly sucks. I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nah. Hello, and welcome to episode 66 of the Brew Who Podcast. Once again, this is not Adam Paris, who is back and safe from Big Sky Country, and we saw a couple of his photos and we were jealous. So I am Kyle Carr, and I'm joined by Riley Feldman. Riley, how jealous of you are Adam's pictures? <laughs> uh, extremely jealous. Not that I don't like Minneapolis-St. Paul and the beautiful vistas you have of both downtowns. They're unique in their own way. However, the clarity, the sheer like type of blue-green of the water that Adam was able to experience, he said it was cold. I can appreciate that. Not always the most fun to swim in that, but from a sheer aesthetic standpoint, yes, I was highly uh, jealous of his experience. I look forward to him coming on. Uh, rubbing our faces in it, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to either do that in addition to a lot of wins against the Magic, or to help salve our wounds if the Bucks, for whatever reason, lose a game or two in the next week. So, so we'll see. But I, I do anticipate and look forward to having Adam back next week. Adam, the seat is warm; it's ready for you to return. It is, it is, and I guess the nice thing with Adam being on his vacation is he did not have to watch any of the bubble games that transpired in the past week. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to really say about it. The Bucks lost 106-114 to 114 to the Toronto Raptors on Monday. Then Tuesday, they won 126-113 to 113 over Washington Wizards. But everyone only knows that game because Giannis headbutted Mo Wagner. And then with the last game, with nothing to play for against a Memphis Grizzlies, with everything to play for, they lost 106-119. to 119. So, obviously, things are still not going so great record-wise in the bubble but riley is there really anything to those three games not really not to me i think it what was interesting about it is that these were like the perfect encapsulation of the entire bubble experience for milwaukee so you have the raptors game where it's like we could play as like a statement game against one of the teams that are essentially going to be the rivals in the playoffs and I think Giannis sat and the team was okay, but then West got injured two minutes into the game. So I was like, okay, this is a wash. So then the Washington game comes up. Giannis goes back out there. You're like, okay, again, getting guys some rest, but Giannis is going to play great. Then he gets ejected like 12 minutes into the game after uh, headbutting uh, Hale Wagner. Um, and then the Grizzlies game, which 
prior to Giannis getting ejected was going to be the tune-up game prior to the playoffs. Once he got ejected, it was like, okay, well, our sub goal here is to maybe get Chris the 50-40-90. And if that, once that didn't happen, again, it was just like a lot of bench rotation minutes. Nobody played great necessarily. I think Dante probably played the best out of anybody. Um, and it sounds like heading forward here, we're going to – I don't even know what to make of the roster and what's going to be happening from here on out in terms of rotation. It's interesting coming up against the Magic because that seems like the definition of a warm-up series, but it, there's still a lot of question marks to me. And it, there was nothing in those final three games that I think you can say this is something to look forward to heading into the playoffs. Um, I think more so it's just the most important thing is nobody got injured, which seemed to be Milwaukee's overriding goal throughout the the bubble playing game. Yeah, so I would say I would agree that no one suffering any major injuries is probably the best case scenario in terms of what the expectation was out of these eight games. Wes Matthews is the only one that had a minor injury concern after he left the Raptors game early. <laughs> Hasn't sound like it's anything too too serious. If he didn't play either Washington or Memphis but maybe he'll miss a game or two against Orlando, just depending. It might be a game-time decision. He might not be 100%. So that is a good thing. At the same time, I I know we said last week, you know, you got to flip the switch, and, you know, Giannis was saying there is no switch, but it really is kind of tough to tell what team we're supposed to trust, the one that was dominating the whole league for 60-ish games before COVID or – the team that has struggled in eight games in a bubble. And we can even say like in the scrimmage, they looked fine in those three scrimmage games as well. And it took a JJ Redick ridiculous shooting clinic in the third quarter to really down the bucks in that game. So how much really are we going to be able to take away with it? I don't know, but at least now the games do matter. There are no excuses. There are no, you know, switch or anything. These games do matter. You got the Orlando Magic, who have done all right. You know, they finish eighth, kind of what we expected when we were entering the bubble. I don't know. Like, the Magic are a weird team because they're not necessarily good, but they still have enough of a threat that you at least have to take them relatively seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's – well, part of the difficulty that's – or what makes it difficult to really evaluate them as well as the fact that Jonathan Isaac, he tore his ACL in the bubble and he was like their defensive dynamo. So they are, if they're going to be good at anything, if they were good at anything throughout the season, it was their defense and their defensive rating, I think was top 10 in the league. I mean, it was just barely on the line, but it was top 10 and he was, he was pretty good. Like as a block guy, a rebound guy. And so him being out there compensated for the fact that Nikola Vucevic isn't necessarily that good of a defender. So he's gone. That's a problem for them. And I, I think I read that. I don't think Al Farouk Aminu made it to the bubble. I think he opted to not play. Yeah. He opted to not play in Mo Bamba. Also but, opted not to play. Yeah. He didn't recover enough. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. Issue. so, so it's difficult so they went three and five in the bubble, much like Milwaukee. I think their only wins were against Brooklyn at the very start, Sacramento, who didn't really have a lot to play for, and New Orleans at the very end, who really had nothing to play for. It was like the Bucks, except if they weren't the top seed in the Eastern Conference. And so, again, it's like, what do you derive from any of these games? And that can be a source of reassurance for Bucks fans in that there's, you know, the, the Suns went eight. No, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, the 
trailblazers they have dame go off he's probably going to continue to do that but a lot of the teams there's not a lot to take away from it and especially for orlando because their personnel is in flux they still have dudes they have to worry about and we kind of talk about that but i think any discussion if you compare it regular season will be a little difficult just because the personnel is totally different mm-hmm. yeah and it seems like every top team had a struggle or some bad losses in the bubble at some point and yeah other than the phoenix Suns who went perfect you know, the Trailblazers played pretty well, and they continue to play pretty well. Grizzlies played really well, as we saw in their game. You know, John Morant and Dylan Brooks were carrying the load, and uh, Jonas Valachunas continues to hunt the Milwaukee Bucks, even though he's not part of the Raptors. Um, so he had a great game. You know, two tri- two teams, two players having triple doubles is going to result in you losing, and there's not much to it. I didn't think Milwaukee were necessarily that bad in that game. It's just the kind of same situation as the Brooklyn game where they couldn't string together two or three consecutive stops. Mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit more confident that they can do that against the Magic, especially now that they don't have Jonathan Isaac, they don't have Mobamba, they don't have Alfarico Minu. You know, Lucevic is someone that you'll have to pay attention to on the pick and pop. And Evan Fournier is going to be their most talented offense player, and, the, and he's going to be the one that you really have to watch out for. Um, I don't know if they still have DJ Augustine, but he's they do, of, they do. Okay, he's definitely the kind of point guard that you can't go under on screens because he can pop out and just pull up on a three. So that there are some players on the Magic that you have to consider. But one of the things Milwaukee has played Orlando four times already, and between the two team, between that, only two of the games this season were no fewer than a nine point victory. So. I feel at least confident knowing that Milwaukee's offense and defense and the style of play they do seems to be a good matchup against this Orlando Magic team. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, if you're looking for a warm-up team, this is as good as you're going to get it because the Orlando Magic, even when they were full strength, they were not an excellent offensive team. I think they had a 108.5 offensive rating, which is good for 23rd in the league. You're right that Vucevic, he's the interesting outlier guy because we've seen this system get burned plenty of times by stretch bigs. I mean, you can think of like Marcus All last year. Um, and so that throws a wrench in things. And even like Houston, for example, where they, they don't necessarily have like a traditional stretch big, but because everybody plays from the perimeter and so much of it is like just five out offense, sort of like the Bucks, but they have different ball handlers. Because that's the case, that makes it, more difficult for Brooke Lopez to really rotate back over. But if anything, you can look at it as this is a good test. If for whatever reason, we're continuing to like tune up and tighten up, this is a good opportunity to stretch the defense out and force it into a way that they're not going to be comfortable, but they should be able to survive it. If they continue to remain, you know, tight to the principles that are the foundation of the defense. And then past that, they should have just enough pure firepower. And again, if you then look past the starters, one, the Bucks have the best player in the series, obviously, with Giannis. They probably have the second best player in the series right now with Chris. They might even have the third best player. They might even have the third best player with Brooke. And then once you get to the bench themselves, I mean, the bench did not cover themselves in glory throughout the bubble. Um, So that's a problem. But if you're looking for a situation where the bench is going to be critical, it, it, or I, I shouldn't say that they're not going to have as important of a role, but they're going to still play plenty of minutes. This is that series. So yes, it's concerning that they looked not great except for moments here and there in the bubble. Um, but in theory, you have four more games here where you're going to have actual bench minutes and you know how 
Bud goes. I mean, he loves running an 11-man rotation. He's going to have the opportunity to do that. Whether that's good or bad long-term, that's an open question. But that's kind of what I'm looking at, that if you just break it all the way down, it, it would be what seems to be almost impossible for the Bucks to lose the series as long as they're not total dopes the entire time, which, I don't know, who knows. Yeah, I feel like Milwaukee would, if Milwaukee were to lose the series, it's because of self-inflicted wounds such as not doing any defense of the pain and continuously turning the ball over. Like, and that's how it's going to happen. I, I can't really see a situation. Maybe the Bucks will lose a game, maybe even two, because outlier shooting nights are probably going to happen against this team. Mm-hmm. But with the, especially with the bench, you know, Pat Connaughton's probably been the only bench player that's been consistently, I would say, above average or even good. You know, George Hill has had moments. Dante, when he came off the bench, has had moments. He's had probably had his best game against the Grizzlies. You know, Robin Lopez is filling in the role just like he needs to. Can't really complain about him. Marvin Williams moves pretty well, but not able to put it all together. Urson seems to be able to hit some shots, but he can't move to save his life. Sterling Brown, I don't know what version you're going to get. Are we going to get the first half of the bubble Sterling Brown where he was completely unplayable, or are we going to get the guy that was hitting four or six from three? Yeah, Because if you get the guy that's hitting four or six from three, okay, then you're all right. And then, you know, then it's like, do you bring in Kyle Korver? Are you really going to get DJ Wilson minutes? That's kind of the thing. I don't think we'll go that far, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Bud went 10 or 11 D just because this bench has a chance to, I don't want to say exploit the Washington bench just because they're, it's not like Washington's bench is that, that bad, but you know, they have guys like Kem Birch, and they have, you know, Bryce Johnson, you know, guys like BJ Johnson, not Bryce Johnson, BJ Johnson. So it's not necessarily dudes that you have to necessarily be afraid of. Yeah. It, it, it's just more of a, maybe they bring DJ Augustine off the bench and that's a bit of a concern, but that's why you have someone like Dante or George Hill and then Bledsoe even, they can handle DJ Augustine. It's everyone else that you have to kind of wonder what are they going to bring, you know, we know Marco Fultz can do things, but are they going to let him do things? We know, you know, Wesley Wundu can do things, but how much are they going to let him do things? So I think it's just a matter of what Milwaukee decides to do. And we talked about having the best player in the series and the second best player, Chris Middleton. And just to go over that, Giannis played three of the four games, and he averaged 26.3 points per game, um, going 50% from the field, 33% from three. Interesting. And then 64 four percent for the free throw line 15.7 rebounds 7.7 assists 17.9 net rating pretty great and then you got chris middleton who played all four games he averaged 19.5 he shot 57 didn't miss a free throw um 8.3 rebounds 4.3 assists and a positive 8.3 net rating so those are two guys that i think if there is any quote-unquote switch or if there's anyone that's going to make sure that Milwaukee doesn't continue to play poorly it's got to be those two right riley yeah. Yeah, I think so. It, it, my one concern, I think all your points are correct. It, it, it comes down to pure talent. We got them on that. No problem. The you know, Titania world who's in the comments right now, we're streaming on YouTube at the moment. He brought up the fact that would you rather be playing a team like the Pacers and have a real test of our execution? I do kind of worry a little bit because the talent disparity is so great. It's not that I imagine the team going into this, not 
flipping the switch. I think they will take it more seriously than they did the bubble games. But there might be an aspect of it where they still feel like they can coast on their laurels a little bit. And with the magic, it's tough to tell because without Isaac out there, without Jonathan Isaac, they're in a different place just because he was such a good defensive player, especially inside. But they generate quite a few turnovers. Um, they get, I think they were eighth best in the league at getting steals, and they don't turn it over a lot themselves. And so that's for everything we've seen in the bubble, th those are the areas that the Bucks are hurting because they're giving up a lot of turnovers on sloppy play. Now, Orlando probably isn't going to necessarily have the personnel to take advantage of that the way that, you know, like say a Raptors team who's actually trying to play in care or like a Houston team or anybody like that. They have different incentives and different personnel that really punish us there so that Orlando's not going to have. But there, because of that, there might not be any incentive to continue to tighten up. And so my concern would be is maybe you win the game, maybe you sweep them, maybe you win them in five. Worst case scenario, I would be a little concerned if it took six games to win, but this might not be a great enough challenge or a great enough test of where we are to get the flip switched. I hate I hate that that's going to be like the, <laughs> the thing throughout the playoffs because it's just so dumb, but that's just the terminology we're stuck with. And so it's not like Orlando's a joke. I mean, they're not they're not great in a lot of things. They're like pretty good defensively and they're pretty much league average and everything else. But the way the Bucks have played so far, I mean, a team that's league average would make you sweat at least a little bit. Um, and so that would be my main concern. And it, it, I'm not sure if it'll play out. We'll really find out the impact of it next round, probably. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's a mixed series and I, I hope the team makes it takes it more seriously because i mean they are an nba team you can't just like play dante for 45 minutes and expect to win that's just not going to happen so yeah they are i mean every team that was in the bubble was at least credible to some degree except the washington wizards i think the wizards were the only <laughs> team in the bubble yeah. that you could argue they are not a good team why are they here everyone yeah. else though you have to you have to at least give them some respect and i think that's kind of the same with the orlando magic they're a good team. I think if the Bucks had played better in the bubble, then I would have been okay with them finding playing a Pacers or a Heat or even a Sixers or or, or even the Nets. Some one of those type of teams first, just so they can continue keeping up that mentality. Um, but because they played poorly in the bubble, and now you have this team that you necessarily I wouldn't necessarily say you absolutely should be, but you are the favorites and you're the overwhelming favorites that four or five is probably what everyone's going to say. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you went six because like I said, outliers, but it's a matter of how they play because if say the bucks do as well as they can defensively and Orlando's just hitting shot after shot with a hand in their face and just being able to get to the rim, and even when Brooke is standing right there, they're getting a couple floaters that go in. You know, if that's how Orlando wins a game, that's one thing. Now, if it's like the Nets game or all these other games where there's just open guys all over the perimeter hitting threes, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit concerned. I think that's something that is going to be itself. But Orlando's not really a team that takes and shoots a lot of threes. You know, they're kind of average in all those categories. So, how maybe they decide, hey, we can exploit this Bucks team by taking those threes. That could be a new change. Or they decide we're going to continue playing our game and we're not going to try and adjust it. So 
I think that's going to be one of the things. And you mentioned uh, not turning the ball over and forcing a lot of turnovers. That's where Milwaukee's going to have to be careful. Um, maybe, yeah, don't run Dante at point guard for 45 minutes. That would probably help. Don't let Sterling Brown try to run point guard on a bench unit. Yep. That should help as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's always going to be at least two or three Giannis offensive foul turnovers that are probably going to get called. There's always going to be a sloppy pass from Eric Bloodstow where he's in midair. He's trying to fire it around. Giannis himself is going to do those kind of passes as well. There's always going to be those inevitable turnovers. It's just a matter of how do you reduce the dumb turnovers at the wrong time? You know, how do you not turn the ball over when it's becoming a little bit closer? Maybe it's like a five-point game. How do you avoid that turnover? How do you avoid a turnover when there's two minutes left in the quarter? You know, those are the kind of turnovers. How do you avoid a turnover that doesn't automatically lead to another basket? Because if you turn the ball over, that's fine. You just got to make yeah. sure that the team can't take full advantage of it. So that's, for me, is going to be more what I'm curious about is can Milwaukee not shoot itself in the foot? Because I think everyone can agree that the only way Milwaukee's losing the series is if they lose it themselves. <laughs> The other thing, so th- there's a couple more things about this series that are interesting going into it. So like you said, the Magic, they don't take a lot of threes. I think they, they only average 32.2 uh, during the regular season. That's almost bottom, like bottom third of the league. Um, they only increase that to 34.3 in the bubble games. So just a slight increase. It's not like a lot of other teams that have gone really out of their way to shoot a lot more threes. They're, it seems like they're sticking to their offensive principles there. The other thing that's interesting to me in the context of this game as a test and something as like a tune-up for the future is the Magic did not play quickly. They are like fifth slowest in the league. Their pace is 98.6. Um, we saw multiple times throughout the bubble that when things slowed down or especially at the end of a tight game when it was like you know very deliberate possessions where you're taking the full shot clock for the most part it seemed like pretty mixed results for milwaukee and so what i would be curious looking to this as well is can milwaukee take this slower pace can they generate offense out of it and does that help get them rolling in a proper direction where you don't have to do that all the time, but this is another chance for you to get comfortable, whether Giannis trying to break down an offense. This could be a series I would love to see Chris, given the slow pace of things, given the fact that, the, you know, defensively, I mean, they're, they're good, but I'm not sure if there's any personnel that could necessarily stop them one-on-one. Um, it, you could let Giannis take this series off a little bit. He doesn't have to take everything on board. Let Chris do his thing. This is perfect. This is exactly the sort of system that he wants to thrive in. Let's see that happen this series. So that would be another thing. Those between the fact that the Magic don't shoot a lot of threes, you shouldn't be hurt too much there unless they're having an out-of-their-mind shooting performance a la Terrence Ross. Um, And then the slow pace, that's just good practice. For this team, that should give you plenty of time to think through, especially if they're thinking on the fly, the players on the court, think through it, work through it, execute. This is an opportunity to do that, that you're probably not going to have against a lot of the other opponents from here on out. Yeah. And I think I'm kind of curious at how Eric Bloodsoe does with Markel Fultz. That is a matchup that if Orlando wants to have a chance, that might be something that they can exploit and take advantage of. I think Fultz is, we all know he was and still probably is a talented point guard that now that he is out of that toxic environment in Philly, 
it seems like him going to Orlando was a good thing for him, and he started to find his groove again. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I don't think he's going to live up to that number one pick potential, but, you know, averaging 12 points a game, having 5.1 assists, it's not necessarily glamorous. He's still only shooting 26% from three, but he has that kind of build and skill set that you still have to somewhat respect as a scorer. And he only averaged nine point three points against Milwaukee and five assists. So it's not like he was necessarily hurting them from the field, but maybe defensively he starts blowing up plays and doesn't let Eric get into a rhythm and doesn't Eric get into his own head. Cause now we're in playoff time and we don't know what Eric Bledsoe we're going to get. So that's going to be a matchup that I think if Milwaukee is, I mean, I know we talk about playing through Chris, but I think it's one of those where this could be a potential matchup that Eric Bledsoe can get his confidence and get his rhythm in as well. And I guess the one other thing I'm thinking with this whole Orlando Magic team is, are they better than last year's Pistons team? Because I want to lean towards no, just because I feel like with the Pistons, there was that guy in Luke Kennard that had always given Milwaukee fits and they had Blake Griffin, but then he got hurt. And I don't know if this Magic team is better than that Pistons team. Yeah, I think the one key differentiator between those two, they're probably similar when it comes to like statistical profiles and things like that. The main difference, again, is the fact that the Magic are down a couple of starters or main rotation pieces. And so, you know, like you said, they're running guys out there who, who were on two-way contracts heading into the season. And it's just like, okay, well, you're going to get like 15 to 20 minutes just because they're that starved for guys who can play in the rotation. And so... Blake had issues last year because I can't, did he play in the first game and then he just didn't play the rest of the series? I can't remember how it went. No, I, don't, I think it was the other way. I don't think he played like the first couple games and okay. then played yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they were in a tough spot because their star guy was out. So that's even more, they, that's not the same situation for Orlando, but I, I think they're probably comparable challenges in which case this kind of leads on to my next question. Assuming they win the bucks win this series, which would, if they didn't, it would be <laughs> the most epic disaster of all time and would make good content. But I mean, we'd have not much to talk about in the podcast after that, but assuming they win, what, like what needs to happen for Milwaukee to make you feel good? So like, what are things that if X guy does this, or if the team does this, are there like, points of emphasis that you want to see them excel at to feel better going into the next round against either the Pacers or the Heat? I think what would make me feel better is limiting the turnovers, as I mentioned earlier, just because I think that's what hurt Milwaukee. I think that's one of the things that's hurt Milwaukee more than what people are actually talking about. I know the defense has been glaring because you look and you see a dude shooting from three and it brings terrible Jason Kidd vibes. But the turnovers have really been what has killed the offense. And I think that's going to be what I would feel better about. And it depends on which team they play. Because if they play the Heat, then it's a matter of can they offensively do enough to comfortably win because of Miami's defense and how they play. And we saw in that first half that Milwaukee's offense couldn't get much going against Miami and their defense made things even worse. And then you see in the second half, Giannis is able to get to the rim at will. Everyone's hitting shots. Everyone's playing within the system. The system's working and the defense is stifling Miami, which should have been expected when they didn't have Jimmy Butler and Gordon Dragic. 
So with Miami, it's kind of that. While when you get to the Pacers, it's I don't know what to expect because you know you have the threat of Victor Oladipo, you have our good friend Malcolm Brogdon. Now you have TJ Warren. They don't have Sabonis, but now they have TJ Warren that's stepped up and played just as well as anyone outside of Dame Lillard and Devin Booker. So how they match up defensively with those wing players is going to be interesting just because if we're putting wing against wing, maybe Indiana has a slight edge just because if you had to put, you know, TJ Warren, Oladipo, and Brogdon against Middleton, West, and Bledsoe, I think you would probably have to slightly lean towards Indiana. But again, that's just, that's a crapshoot because we don't know how much are we going to need West for shooting. How much are we going to need Bledsoe to not be a catastrophe? It, it's a lot of how much with those two. While with Indiana, it's just a matter of who's going to get the shots because they can't all take the shots. Yeah. Um, so I think that's with those two teams, that's where I would feel comfortable. I think overall, just how does this team look? How do they feel in terms of rhythm? How do they feel in terms of defensive execution? How do they? it's one thing when you're watching these bubble games and thinking they don't care, they don't care, they don't care, but there are still, you know, underlying cracks in that foundation that we're concerning. Now it's a matter of, are those concerns still going to persist? Are they still going to overhelp on defense? Are they still going to be abysmal with bench units that don't have Giannis or Chris on the floor with them? Are they going to continue to not be able to hit shots. I think I'm at the point where this team is, this is not a jump shooting team that can hit shots because mm-hmm. we have seen it all season. They cannot hit threes. I'm just giving up on the fact that this team's going to be able to hit three pointers outside of Chris Brooke and maybe George Hill. Yeah. So those are the things that I'm kind of looking at and wondering about. So yeah, my main two goals would be one, Please, for God's sake, bud, stop running 10 to 11 dudes. I appreciate the minute allocation, but guys are going to have to get used to playing something approximating regular minutes, whether that be just like 30 for Giannis. I, let's just start doing that. Like, even if this, is, if this series is a foregone conclusion, let's get used to that. Um, in addition to that, for Boonholzer, can we tighten up the rotation a little bit? I'm not asking you to do like eight man obviously you can do nine or like 10 at the outset but how much is he gonna like move from being used to playing all 13 guys who suited up to now tightening it up like getting rid of four guys and in addition to that uh, figuring out the rotation itself he's in in a really tough spot because going into this i think we all expected george hill and i still think he's going to be the main guy off the bench um Dante felt like he was going to be the second guard for bench lineups. And now that seems totally unquestioned because he has been pretty, he he had an okay game against Memphis, but that was pretty much the only real standout game he had offensively, especially. And he just hasn't had as much of an impact on the defensive end as he did in the regular season, the rest of the regular season. Pat has been good from three. Um, He can play a couple of minutes, but I'm not sure if you want him to be like one of your main rotation pieces robin i mean offensively he's been horrendous i don't even want to pull up the numbers but like just going through the week and going through previous box scores just like a lot of oh two oh for three oh for four like occasional threes or like occasional like games where he makes two or three baskets but 
I mean, again, spot minutes, Marvin, just do stuff. Let's do some stuff, Marvin. Like he does enough, I guess, but it's not. I, I saw somebody comparing him to like Nikola Mirotic from last year. Like Mirotic, he he did stuff. I mean, he he broke his thumb and he was a bit of a disaster in sections of the playoffs, but it, he was doing stuff at least. So it's like for me, I want to see a couple of the bench guys tighten it up, and if I can get three bench guys who consistently don't suck in three out of the four games, let's say it's a sweep, three out of the four games. If we can have that, that would make me feel a lot better because I would hate for those guys to struggle. The team gets through this series just based on Giannis, Chris, Brooke, maybe Eric having good games. Um, But the bench is still a huge question mark because once you go, especially, I kind of feel like it's probably going to be the heat that come out of that series with them and the Pacers because they handled the Pacers throughout the entire season in every matchup. Um, And TJ Warren's playing out of his mind, so maybe that'll just make it totally move. But if it's against the heat, I am scared to death to see what Spolstra is able to do with the fact that he just has to worry about like three starters, like three players on the other team, three really good players, but only three players. Like the amount of flopping that's going to be done to try and just get Giannis out of there. And then it's like just the Chris and Brooks show. I'd be worried about that. So I just want bench guys to not suck. Let's not suck. That's our goal in the first round to me, at least. So we'll see. I mean, I am hopeful it's it's got to happen eventually i hope otherwise we're dead in the water as it were because you, you can't it's tough to win a championship in 2020 with three dudes even with three guys who are as good as chris Giannis and brooke are true if you had to pick who off the bench are you for sure putting in the rotation i think you got to do george hill i i appreciate what frank mason did in the final couple of games I, it, he's a fine really break class in case of great emergency situation if you need a point guard but I think George still does enough, even if he's not shooting at the same level he was, he still is competent more so than anybody else who's coming off the bench as somebody who can help helm the offense and start getting other guys going. I mean, throughout the bubble games, a lot of his assist numbers were pretty good compared to like, you know, it's pretty much in line with the regular season. So even though his shooting is off, um, he's still the most competent ball handler off the bench. And so if I was to choose anybody who has to get minutes, has to be him not only because he helps make his teammates a little bit better, he might get back that three-point shot, and you never know about Eric. So you have to have that option ready to go. To me, I don't know. who. who how about you? I, oddly enough, think Marvin Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, right now, Aaron Gordon isn't healthy yet. He had a hamstring injury early in the bubble. I don't – it looks like he's not scrimmaging and practicing as of yesterday or Friday – so he might make it later in the series. But Marvin Williams is a guy that, especially if you face the Heat, he, you're going to need him um, to both take the load off of Giannis or, and fill in if Giannis gets into early foul trouble. Um, so I think getting him up to speed as much as you could, and I think this is a good opponent to do it with because, like I said, there is no Aaron Gordon, so you can kind of work your way into it. I would say – and I, George Hill is the other obvious one, but for me, it would also be Marvin Williams just because of his role and I think the importance of why we're going to need him next round against potentially the Heat and especially against the Toronto Raptors. Um, just because we saw that with Miritich where Miritich could have hit a shot to save his life and he became, you could not just fight play him and fight that near the end. <laughs> he turned into a pumpkin. He, he did definition of pumpkining in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. That was brutal to watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, I think 
so well so quick final thoughts on this before we kind of move on so one how do you feel about the fact that we have three about noon starts out of the first four games okay that's what, you, that's what i thought okay sorry go for it no i was just gonna say the schedule is absolutely <laughs> brutal it's awful it's awful even if it was i just cannot believe we have new three games out of the four at noon and then the other one is 5 p.m. Central. So for those of you that got to work, good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You're going to work and can't work at home. That's going to, like, myself, I'll be okay because I can at least put the game on TV. So worst yep. game, at least background noise. But for someone that has that can't just sit and watch it, oh, I don't, yeah, this it's just awful. Three new games. And mm-hmm. I get it. Bucks Magic is... Probably the least sexiest matchup. I was going to say, it's not sexy. That's not sexy at all. <laughs> all the playoff matchups, you know, obviously you got the Celtics Sixers. That's marquee money. You got the Lakers Blazers. That's going to be interesting. You have, what was it? The Thunder and Thunder and Rockets. You know, you have mm-hmm. all the other series that you can at least look at storylines and be like, this is going to be interesting. And then you look at Bucks Magic and it's, so is Milwaukee going to continue sucking? Mm-hmm, yeah, that's really that's the only stakes involved. Yeah. So I get it, but three seems excessive, and the only one I'm okay with being at noon is the Saturday because yeah. it's weekend at least. But come on, NBA, you're killing me here. <laughs> Not only are they killing us, the viewers, but they're killing the Bucks too because this team is notorious for being horrendous for like any sort of earlier than 5 p.m. start. I mean, like, if we went through the stats, I'd probably go through and be like, oh, we actually won, like, almost every single game. But this team definitely seems like it sucks a lot more when we do, like, a noon to 2 o'clock start. So uh, hopefully everything that we just said about the talent disparity will really play out in the (laughs) the games themselves. Otherwise, that's going to suck really hard if we the assumption that Giannis is going to play well isn't as true because he's sleepy. That's a problem. That would not be a good situation. I don't know how much of that is going to be necessarily true because it's not – I mean, yeah, he does get his nap, but he's not dealing with his – oh, wait, they can bring their family suit, can't mm-hmm. they? They can, oh. yeah. yeah. maybe he's going to not have a couple sleepless nights. I don't I don't know how Liam's doing sleep-wise. I'm just saying in that stage of childhood, it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. And with the bubble games, I think the ones that were before five, let's see, there was the Nets game, which was a mess. Not good. Not good. There was the Heat. Which was awful for the first half, good for the second half. So they bounced back. They got their halftime nap, so they bounced back after yep. that. Then the Grizzlies, this past Grizzlies game, not great. <laughs> yeah, not great either. To be fair, nobody, there was no stakes, so maybe we can just... It wasn't. <laughs> yep. But all those other games were not... The Raptors was like right at five. Like the Raptors was like right early evening, so that we can write that one off, but... Ugh. I just don't like it because I have to look. It's just such a dumb time. Plus, we got we got Champions League soccer. I got Canadian soccer to watch. Like, I don't have time to split screen this right now. And I know I see a comment saying that they love noon starts. I don't know. 
I get well, the, the, the commenter is from Italy, so that would explain that. So this oh, is a good. A these are good start times if you are a foreign observer of the Bucks. This is right. So maybe that's the play. They're like, you know what? Let's get people interested. You know, all the European viewers, they'll get a chance to watch the Bucks. Hopefully, manhandle the team and get interested. Maybe that's the strategy. I don't know. If so, Adam Silver's playing eight D chess on us right now. I would have put. <laughs> I I don't know about that. Yeah, I. I have my own personal gripes, but I, it could be worse. You could be someone on the West Coast. Yeah. Oh. That would be brutal if any of your teams had to play at noon because then that's 10 a.m. Here's my other question for you besides the start time. So obviously we agree start times are awful. We'll see how it works out. Hopefully if the series – well, not hopefully. Hopefully the series is open after four games. But if it goes deeper, hopefully we'll get better start times. The other question I have, we, we kind of – not papered over it a little bit, but we didn't talk about it much. Um, Giannis losing his cool, uh, headbetting uh, Mr. Wagner, um, getting suspended for a game. There was a lot of, for whatever reason, think piecing going on within like the basketball Twitterati about what it means, quote unquote, uh, for, for Giannis and the team. Um, what did you make of that? Are you concerned by that? Is that just like... He said after the game that wasn't necessarily specifically Wagner, though I think they have issues going it back to the past for the rest of the season, but he said it was just kind of a buildup of everybody hacking at him and all the other BS they have to deal with. Are you concerned at all about Giannis losing his cool, Kyle? No, because Mo Wagner has a very punchable face, and I have no issue with Giannis headbutting him at all. In fact, next time Giannis, just punch him or drop kick him. Protect your head. We don't yeah. need an ET from headbutting. We don't need Zidane moments. Just use your hands, but or an elbow. Um, no, I didn't see any concern about it. Wagner and Yadis definitely have history. I think it was in February when they played. There was a minor tussle, tangle situation under the hoop that happened. You know, Giannis is getting frustrated that he's getting hacked. I mean, he also got kicked in the balls against the Mavericks. I think it was just a lot of pent-up frustration. And you have a dude like Wagner who, I mean, if he doesn't have the most punchable face in the league, he's definitely top five. You know, Grayson Allen's up there. Zach Levine's up there. Um, James Harden's always up there. <laughs> so it, it's just a buildup. And I, maybe it was the frustration of how the team was doing the bubble as well that got to him. I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just one of those where frustration got to him. Why Wagner was even over running over there in the first place was something I was questioning when I saw it happen. Um, you know, I think Wagner intentionally was trying to get under Giannis' skin, and he just succeeded this time. You know, it's – I don't think it's a big deal. I think we've seen what happens when Giannis hits a breaking point, whether it's this or Mike Dun – or shoulder-decking Mike Dunleavy into the stands, you know, five years ago. Sometimes it happens. I think – I don't think he's going to let it happen again because now – He's gonna get if he gets suspended, he's missing playoff games, and that's gonna hurt his team more. Yeah, it's, I think it's all right now. I want Bud to start being on these referees this series right from the whistle. I want him on these referees. I need the Nasus and Sterling Brown to do the work for Giannis. Yeah, in terms of charging at these players, um, that that's what I want to see. But I, I think I think there was one Milwaukee radio person. I think it was like. Brian D or whatever, and he would say, like, this is a board, this is completely unacceptable from Giannis, it's classless, blah, 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 and it's like, 
this is soft. Like, if that's your reaction, I'm sorry, you're being way too soft about this because mm-hmm. that's a normal thing in the 90s and the 80s and the past, and it's something that it's one moment, calm down. Mm-hmm. If this was any other player, I would say the same thing. It's not a big deal. It's not like Marcus Smart intentionally trying to hurt dudes. Yeah. Calm down. I don't know what it is with trying to generate these dumbass takes, but it's <laughs> it I, like I said, it's a non-big deal. I don't know why you, you don't need to make a thing piece out of it. It's a player that lost his cool on a dude who probably deserved it at some point because of his face. Yeah. Okay. That seems like a pretty reasonable take. I, I think I pretty much agreed. I just wish like I said, either I, I was hoping because I think Thanasis checked in for like, and him and Wagner only like crossed over. Sorry, Wagner, I keep pronouncing it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, they only like crossed over for a couple of minutes. That would have been great had there been something there. Also, I mean, Robin, if you're gonna suck on both, I mean, especially offensively, you're just gonna suck. Like, just go goon it up, dude. Like, you're on the roster. If if you can't do much else, just go be a goon for for a little while. He's that got like that. <laughs> he's got the hairstyle for it. Like, that's what he's here for. Go goon it, man. Like, it's whatever to me. So I guess I don't really care either. But I just figured I wanted your thoughts. So then my final question here before I move on to miscellaneous and finish up. Uh, usually you predict at the end, but we talk so much about the series. Let's just get it done right now. Games one through three, Tuesday, 1230 start, Thursday, 5 p.m. start, Saturday, 12 p.m. start. Kyle, what is your predicted record after three games this week against the Orlando Magic? I'd say it's two and one. I think they jump out to an early 2-0 lead. Um, Then Orlando gets a hot shooting night. Maybe Terrence Ross is back. Maybe Aaron Gordon's back. Like maybe one of those guys that comes back gives them that jolt of energy and they just hit a bunch of shots. I would say that is my prediction. Two, one, get off to a quick two zero start. Like they win game one in convincing fashion. They win game two by like eight or nine. And then you get to game three and maybe Orlando just gets hot from three. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. I'm going to guess 3-0. Um, I, I think the talent disparity is just going to be too much. I mean, it, they're a slow-moving team. They don't shoot a lot of threes as it is. Um, like I said, unless it's like a total outlier shooting night, we should, from like spots one through eight, we should have them topped, um, even if guys aren't playing up to their full potential. Um, so, so looking at all that, I, I would be disappointed if they dropped any of the games. The, the Orlando Magic are not a great team, necessarily. They're just an average team. If you're supposedly going to be the best team in the league, if you're going to start tightening it up, if you're going to start taking things seriously, which ostensibly per what they've said, that's what they're going to do. Now is the time. Let's go ahead. 3-0. Let's sweep them. Let's just get to the next series. Again, looking like we're firing on all cylinders again. Just some semblance. Give us some hope. 3-0 would go a good long ways to give us some hope. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. That's why I expect. Cross my fingers. That's what we get. I hope that as well, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do our normal miscellaneous topics, so stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we are back. So we already 
went through all the stuff that we needed to. So let's get to our favorite miscellaneous topics. We are going to do rapid fire questions. I am going to ask them to you, Riley. So are you ready? I am ready. Yes, let's do it. All right. First question. What is the longest run? Like what is the longest distant run that you've done? ever uh that would be my i've done one marathon um and i did it october of 2017 so that would be 26.2 miles it was awful the weather was horrendous it was raining it was cold and i didn't expect it from me but i burst out in tears after it was done because it was that horrendous so i would do it again that's the longest <laughs> I've ever run, but it was it was not a great first experience. I went in with like no real strategy, which was a problem too. But um, the tears were a flowing after that one. It was it was not fun, not enjoyable at all. So, <laughs> yeah, that I will never run that long in my life. So, props <laughs> to you. Thank you. Um, growing up, were you a McDonald's kid, Wendy's kid, or Burger King? Uh, we were McDonald's kids, but that was only because it was the closest thing to our house um, and like the nearest location where the, it was either that or Culver's were the options. Um, but of those three McDonald's we're going for, I do like the Coca-Cola like slushy Slurpee or whatever from Burger King and mm -hmm. the Impossible Whopper is also shout out to that. I'm really not a Wendy's food guide. The blizzards are good. So I think the, each of them has strengths, but overall McDonald's kids. Yeah, I'm Wendy's the four for four is too good of a deal to pass up. So, especially with the spicy chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Third question. What are your thoughts on cream puffs? I used to be not a hater. Um, that, would, that would be a strong way. I was indifferent. Um, and then me, my mom, and my brother would go to state fair every single year. Um, and then we kind of just made a tradition to grab one of those and some chocolate milks and just go for it. Because if you're going to be at the state fair, what the hell else are you going to do? So, um, I've come to appreciate them. I would not, I would say maybe they're still a little overrated, um, just cause they're mass produced pastry with like just nondescript cream, but I've come to appreciate them for what they are. So I do like them. I would not say it's like a love or obsession for myself. That's fair. That's fair. I'm indifferent as well. So. Next question, over or under 15 minutes DJ Wilson plays in this series? <laughs> Total? Total. Oh, man. Uh, so <laughs> that's a good question. I'm going to say over because Budenholzer cannot let the rotation thing go, and we're going to get off to a large enough start or we're going to like be that worried about Ursan exploding if he plays more than two minutes at a time that DJ will get some minutes um, somehow or another. He will get 15 over 15. I'm going to go for it. All right. All right. I'm going under because that's assuming DJ Wilson gets about four minutes a game, which that would be a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes. I'm, you're, you're right about that. <laughs> you're looking at a lot of garbage time in mm -hmm. a good way or a bad way. <laughs> um, and last question, what music are you listening to right now? It's a good question. So I was just listening before this, um, before we started recording, this song called Sunrise by this group called Michelle. It was on my suggested playlist or whatever from Apple Music. Uh, I could include that in the series notes. But it's kind of like a like lighthearted, little bit of funk. It's got a nice bass line to it. It's nothing too crazy. It's I think it's like an all-female group, um, but pretty good poppy song. So that's why I've been listening to is some of that and then um just my usual rest of my mix of like random either like hard rock or some hip-hop i was listening to childish gambinos uh because the internet the other day 
awesome album. Oh my God. There's so many songs. On it. It's such a good album. I love listening to that. So that was the other thing I was listening to that I talked about. I was surprised we even brought that up in the podcast previously, but uh, that was on my rotation as well. That is a great album. Yeah, we'll have a whole discussion on that, I'm sure, in the offseason. And it was funny because after I mentioned Burna Boy last week, he dropped an album. So got the oh, a little promo, a little promo it from was Kyle. A promo, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, hopefully, hopefully when they look at where the source purchasers were from, like, oh, a lot of these are coming from the, <laughs> the Brew podcast. So if he wants to send us a little bit of royalty check action, we'll, we'll take it. That's no problem by us. That or just... Give me one of his chains. That's fine. I can live with we'll that. Take as well. a chain too. We're wi- we're willing. If that's the royalty, we'll take that. That's fine. That is good enough for me. <laughs> but yeah, make sure to put the song in the group chat. As I well. will. I uh, will try to listen to. Um, but yes, so that is our rapid fire questions. I don't have a film review this week. Um, didn't really watch any movies. That's okay. Kind of, it, it it is what it is. Kind of. I knew I was going to run out at some point. So we're just going to shoot right ahead to your pen review. So uh, as usual, um, or as usual as of the past two weeks, I, it's not that I forgot the pen. I think it's in my backpack right now, but I, I like talking about the inks because I've talked about the pens. And the last one I have is kind of a cheap one, so nothing to talk about there. So this week, we're talking Diamine Oxblood ink here. Uh, you can kind of tell it's a deep, like, burgundy almost, maroon burgundy um, I want to say this is 80 milliliters of ink. So, I mean, that's a hell of a lot of ink. It'll take me a long time to use up all of this, but it's, it's interesting because it's like a, your reds generally, when it comes to pen ink, they're going to be your drier writing. So you'll have, for example, like a blue, um, or a black, generally they're considered more wet. So they take longer to, to either dry and, or they come out of the nib quicker, reds, oranges, yellows, things like that. Just the properties of the ink they're drier. So it's a little more scratchy when you're writing. I prefer that personally. Um, and they dry a little bit quicker. So this oxblood, it, when it goes down on the page at first, it almost looks like it's black. That's how much, that's how much comes out when you first use it. And then as it goes along, it, it's this really beautiful, deep burgundy that, um, it, it, I've never seen actual dried oxblood in my life. So I can't say comparatively to that but if i was to imagine in my mind what it looked like i think that would be exactly what it is so it comes in a cool little box um that diamine sends diamine is a uh british company i believe um they do yeah it's made in the uk they make a ton a ton a ton a ton of inks i, I want to say they have easily over 100 different types of inks um so they're another brand i mean it's it's nothing crazy but if you're just looking for reliable diamine's a way to go so that's uh it's my ink this week. It's pretty good. They're they're they've been around since 1864, so they know what they're doing. Those Brits. All right. But I was gonna say, if you need to know what Oxblood looks like, just talk to George Hill. I'm sure he'll. Uh, <laughs> everybody, go check out George Hill's Instagram. That dude's. I'm not gonna say he's a psycho, but he posts of like I didn't realize what his Instagram was. It's just a lot of like wildebeest, him posing with dead hogs that he shot in his ranch, and like it, so like when Tiger King came out. There was this whole like, oh my god, I can't believe there's all these people with these private zoos that have all these zany animals. Little did I freaking know, George Hill on the roster is one of those people. He's got crazy animals at his ranch in Texas. So shout out George Hill, you crazy sob going out there owning wild animals and killing hogs. Good for you. If that's you know, there are worse things that you could do with your spare time. And amen, there are. Amen. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Yep. Yep. 
But I think that's everything for this week. So hopefully we'll have Adam back next week so Riley and I can stop trying to host and half-ass the whole thing and get a true professional Adam in here. Um, otherwise, we thank you very much for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share it. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.